1: It is Destination Draft Day right here on the Landry Football Network. Nick Durst, Michael Rockman, back in business. Here we are. Another week of the NFL season in the books. We're heading to week three now. And another week of the college football season in the books. But the big news coming out of the weekend really had nothing to do with the games, Michael. And it was more so that the Big Ten is going to be back in late October. It's going to get tricky here, especially looking towards, you know, the college football playoff and determining how we could uh, essentially make that work. Cause what I see, I see some difficult scenarios here, Michael. I could see Alabama or Clemson, you know, or whoever wins the SEC and ACC, obviously we know they're getting in, but they're going to be done with their season at the end of November and the Big Ten is going to be in the middle of their season. So how does that work? Does Alabama keep practicing for eight weeks and thinking, oh, maybe we're going to get in, officially that one loss? Or do they just go home? Like, how do they, that doesn't make any sense. How do they make the decision in January? And the, the game's going to have to be like in February, the way that everything plays out. But it doesn't make sense, especially if there's a one loss team that is like, do we keep practicing? Like, I don't know. Maybe we're going to play in this game. How do we, how do we determine that? So that, to me, is a major, major mess. I don't know how they're going to sort that out.
0: Yeah, this season's going to be very interesting, very chaotic in terms of how we handle week to week. Whether it's, you know, people arguing that teams don't deserve to make it in because they only have eight wins compared to 10, whether it's because, you know, people just don't like that the Big Ten was so slow to start their season. And also just because, you know, there's just always chaos in college football. So a team that maybe has one loss in the SEC didn't win it they're going to have to keep practicing. And then if Ohio state were to get upset by a team that's already lost about three games, then it becomes this whole, you know, who really gets in. And, you know, we know there's sec bias at times for some of the fans that aren't rooting for the sec. So we'll see a little bit of a a lot of arguments going on between fan bases. I think Twitter is going to be crazy this year. We're going to see a lot of, you know, unseen, Things going on in the whole college football world this year. Yeah, we got our first comment here
1: from MLB R U L Z one. He loves your shirt, Mikey. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, but no, you know, just looking at the whole the playoff picture, it's a mess. Uh, But the Big Ten is back. Obviously, the favorites are Ohio State. Michigan is is going to have a, a good year, but is it going to be up to their standards? Probably not. Uh, Michigan State probably took a step back. Um, interested to see what happens with Minnesota this year, Michael, because they had that great run last year. Unfortunately, lost, but would have been something if they you know ran the table and then they would have to keep Ohio State out the, the college football playoff. So I'm interested to keep that to keep to keep an eye on that, but. It's gonna be um, really interesting to see how the the later season games work out. You know, we're talking in January or late December because usually they're not playing at that time. And the Big Ten is is home of the the coldest climate. so you know we we're, might we're be seeing some games in the Big Ten where it's like one degree or like single digit degree games and. That's going to be crazy to see how that could impact a lot of guys, I guess specifically thinking about quarterbacks and and Justin Fields.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're seeing snow games usually at the end of these regular seasons already as it is. So now with the season being delayed a little bit, pushed into October start date, yes, there's less games, so we aren't going as deep as we possibly could. But still, there's going to be some freezing games more so than we've seen before. As we get further in December, the weather gets colder. That's just a known fact at this point, and there's gonna be some teams going up to places like Wisconsin, places like Minnesota where they are not gonna be having fun in terms of uh staying warm. that's for sure
1: no it's gonna be it's gonna be super super cold. uh I think what's interesting now is for like you know we discussed this on on our previous shows, but for the younger teams that were saying, okay, well, we lost this season, which which thanks, but now we're going to have that spring season. No one's eligibility is going to really be impacted. Um, I guess the team we, we gave as a perfect example is Rutgers, who is going to be a young team anyway. Now, with the season actually happening and eligibility is going to come into play, you're probably going to see a lot of these freshman guys who were originally going to redshirt, still redshirt again, but during the chance that they were going to play a spring season or it wouldn't count that They were going to play. so They won't get the experience on that end. They're probably going to just traditionally redshirt and you're going to see a heavy load uh, management of the upperclassmen to, to play this season.
0: Yeah, and you know the NCAA made a statement saying that anyone who plays a series isn't going to lose eligibility. I'm not sure if they're sticking to that or not now that the season seems to be a full go, but you know, there's, there's a lot to gain for a lot of schools that are more younger, don't really have these three-year players that come in go pro, and it's just a recurring cycle of that. So schools like Rutgers, we could see a huge benefit in that regard as we go forward later on down the line where we say, oh, well, this extra year in 2020 where they weren't really losing guys, they got to get huge experience for guys that now get to play five years, six years with this team. It's huge. And we'll see what the impact of it, what the benefit of it is. But I think, you know, we could see more contending smaller school programs that don't really have the prestige and constant cycling of great talent, five-star recruits. But we could, we could see some sleeper teams that really come in and make a big play. But that's something that we'll see about five years from now. So we'll have to address <laughs> it on the show five years from now. <laughs>
1: No we'll, we'll, we'll mark it down. September twenty twenty four. We'll uh we'll circle back the tape and we'll we'll see what happens. But but obviously the question now is okay, Big Ten's back. What's the old pac twelve? Everyone wants to see all the conferences playing. To me it doesn't make any sense why the teams conference could play in October, but they couldn't play in late September. Like the SEC SEC started this weekend, Michael, so uh, it just doesn't make sense. And they were going to postpone it, which that was fine by me for medical reasons, postpone it, but I don't understand how you could always say, how, how, how could you, it just doesn't make any sense how they're going to just quickly play now and everything's going to be so muddled, but you know what? Everyone's coming to the pressure and it's the monetary pressure. There's a lot of money at stake, especially with those TV deals, and especially with the fact that these stadiums are going to be empty and they're going to lose a lot of money.
0: Yeah, I think kind of how it's going, you remember when you were a kid, we all did it as a kid. We were like, let's say we were playing basketball, and we got upset, so we left the game thinking that everyone would kind of you know, hate that we're not there, but we watch, and they're still playing basketball. They're playing a game, and they don't really care, so then we come back, and we want to play again. Now, I don't think it's like a temper tantrum situation. I think the reasoning behind the postponement was – justified as you said but I think they're kind of realizing okay there's ways to make this work there's ways that college football is going on without us and now you know we're missing out on this huge opportunity to have our teams come in and play have our conference come in and play and now they want back in yeah it's a little late but I am glad that we're getting to see kind of a full slate of college football instead of having to divide it up between the seasons.
1: Yeah, I mean I was kind of looking forward to some watching some spring some spring football, especially if the XFL's not back. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens here. Uh, but so the Big Ten's back. How do you how do you see this conference shaking out? I uh, wanna know like is it is, are you gonna just say, yep, it's Ohio State, or do you see anybody kind of maybe making a run at them this year, or maybe this is the year and I hope it is that Michigan finally beats Ohio State.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting because so many teams are kind of unknown at the moment. Minnesota, obviously, P.J. Fleck has done a great job of rebuilding this program. They now are entering the year that they're kind of trying to contend for it, and it's not that they weren't before, but now this is where the expectations are meeting what their rebuild cycle has kind of led up to. And, yes, they're losing Rashad Bateman, but there are many players in place for this team that are hopefully going to help them at least attempt to compete. Now, there are other places like Wisconsin where they've established this great defense recently under defense coordinator Jim Leonard, and now it's really just going to depend on who steps in at the running back position and how the quarterback play goes this year. I think Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, they all have hopes that they're going to be the one to contend for for the Big Ten, potentially unseat Ohio State. But at the moment, I think Ohio State is definitely the safe bet, and it's a big step down after them. There's places like Penn State that also have a lot of great college football tradition, have had some success in recent years. But when you look at the star power of Justin Fields and just the overall talent of the roster, it's hard to really see Ohio State losing this conference. But, you know, anything can happen in college football, and if one team gets hot, eight games isn't impossible to keep a winning streak going on.
1: Yeah, I think if Ohio State's going to lose, it's going to be in the first two weeks. Nebraska, right off the bat, they can catch them them sleeping. And then Halloween, Penn State, that's going to be a big game. Obviously, both Penn State and Ohio State were ranked in the top 10 prior to the the season. It's going to be really interesting to see in about a month is how, how many teams are getting kicked out of the top 25 rankings because, oh, here comes Ohio State or whatever this team is 1-0. We're going to kick you out even if you're like 5-0 and just because they're going to they're going
0: to give love to the Big Ten teams. Yeah, and we mentioned it before. It's going to be interesting to see how they rank some of these teams that aren't playing. Is someone like USC going to stay in the top 25 at and 0 or are we going to see them just drop almost like all the way out of it right away once teams start getting a few wins together? So we'll see how the committee handles it, how the rankings handle it, but it's going to be quite interesting. Just it, No one's seen this before, and I know I keep saying that, and I've said it a million times every show, but it's just something that we really have no idea what's going to happen from it.
1: Our guy Glock Lesnar says Fleck could have a squad of Bateman. If he gets B- Bateman back, hope the NCAA allows him to play.
0: Yeah, Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman were a dynamic duo for a quarterback receiver last year. Yes, they lost Tyler Johnson, who was huge to the passing game, but if they can get Bateman back, I think this offense is going to get rolling right away, right out the gate. And who knows what P.J. Fleck could do. He's a great coach.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. So Big Ten, we got the favorites there, Pac-12. We will, of course, monitor and see what's going to happen with that season. But obviously now with the return of the Big Ten – that's, that's going imp, to uh, impact a lot of college football playoff predictions, I would think, Michael. This is kind of a year where you're like, oh, well, maybe they should expand the playoff. But it's still going to be four teams, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they determine strength of schedule and whatnot because obviously everyone's going to say, oh, SEC teams have a stronger strength of schedule because they're just playing in conference. Big Ten has the second best strength of schedule because they're playing best in conference. Then you got ACC and then you got the Big 12. So we could be looking at a scenario where an undefeated Big 12 team doesn't get in because they're going to take a one-loss SEC team just based on to schedule, which, which kind of sucks. I think and this, is, this, this particular year it should be one team per, per the Big Four conferences, but how do, you, how do you see that shaking out?
0: Yeah, I think we're going to see some very talented teams left out of this playoff field, and ideally – We aren't going to see just every team, you know, you're kind of out of it once you're not undefeated anymore, but I think it's a really realistic possibility. We're going to see a lot of squads that kind of come in, whether you go eight, zero or not is dependent on how you make it. And we're going to see some teams that, you know, they lose one game and then they start to tumble off because they know that there's no playoff coming anymore. And it's, it's kind of just the mindset of college football players already with 12-game seasons, but now when we're shortening it to 10, eight-game seasons, we're going to see it even even harder. Every game is going to have much higher stakes. So, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. So, Nick, why don't you give us your college football prediction for the field this year, and then I'll give mine.
1: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, my prediction is going to sound all too familiar to college football fans you got to have to go with Clemson, the defending champions. They're going to be in there. Alabama, they're going to win the SEC. Most likely, they'll be in there. Then you got, I put Oklahoma here, but I think they have a chance to go undefeated. However, you know, we've seen it before a one loss Georgia team, they end up getting in. Or if Alabama is a one loss team and there's an SEC champ, that who ends up getting in. And then assuming the Big Ten is going to be eligible, I, I'm going to go with Ohio State. But if for some reason the Big Ten is not eligible, I think Notre Dame, their one loss, will come to Clemson, and they'll end up getting in. This is my predictions. This is not who I like to see in the in the playoff. I would like to see an upset here. I'd love to see North Carolina get in. I'd love to see Texas get in. Uh, I would love to see that. I would love to see that as those two teams happen. But Texas, uh, I like the direction they're going, but I think they're just still a little too young. They're not going to be able to beat. Oklahoma UNC both of us Michael really like the way they are going but Clemson's going to be tough and they're going to I think they're probably be a two-loss team they'll lose to Notre Dame and Clemson so they won't get in but uh, I really I hate picking Ohio State I hate picking Oklahoma and I hate picking Alabama but if the last 5 years tell me anything it's more often than not these teams get in just based on merit alone not exactly you know, the strength of of their season or both the other teams around the country, yeah.
0: Yeah, and for my predictions, I think that mindset of, oh, I don't want to pick these same schools every year kind of impacted my predictions. I went a little spicy with my SEC champion. I have Clemson winning the ACC, getting in here. I have Oklahoma, I have Ohio State. But for my fourth team, we're going with Auburn Tigers. I nice. think Bone Nix had a very strong freshman year that gets underrated by many because he's not, you know, this flashy Kadon Slavis, Sam Howell type QB. But the overall ceiling of this kid is unlimited. And I think that he could really put together a big season as long as he's grown as a QB, grown as a passer. There are weapons on this team in Anthony Schwartz, Seth Williams that are going to provide for the passing game. You look at this defense – They lost a lot of guys in that front seven, but there's still so much talent there. There's Tyrone Truesdale. There's uh, Big Cat Bryant. There's talent all over this field. Yes, there's questions about Gus Malzahn. There's questions about all the players that have left. But Auburn beat Alabama last year, and I think while they are losing some key pieces to this defense – I think there's some hope here, and if Bo Nix can take that next step, I think Auburn's going to be very dangerous. And no Iron Bowl this year. They still got to play Alabama, but it's not the last game of the season. If they can jump on them a little early, kind of surprise them a bit and really control that game, we could see Auburn really run the table after that.
1: Yeah, that would. I mean, I would like that. I don't want to see Alabama. I don't want to see Ohio State. I don't want to see Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I'd love to see the UCFs of the world get a chance, but this is definitely not going to be the season where you have that mid-major team going undefeated and then just unfortunately they're just not going to have any opportunity to to get in. You know, how many times do we see Boise State? They should have gotten into the championship game and they didn't. Um, and then they, you know, put a whooping on Oklahoma. Uh, but, yeah, nobody – if you don't win your, your, your division here – you're not gonna go to the championship game. Um, and then usually it's it's the Big 12 where you know the 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 champion might have a loss. So that's gonna hurt them because I do think uh a one loss Big 12 team that wins their conference is less likely to get in than a one loss uh SEC team who loses their conference. What do you think about that scenario?
0: Yeah, I think There's it's. – I'm not sure, honestly. It's one of those situations where the SEC is obviously very talented and there's going to be a lot of love for the schools that are around there. But when you're winning your conference, I think it says a lot about your school. And we've seen conference champions get left out in the dust – or left out in the cold before when it comes to the playoff selection. But I really do think that as long as you're winning your conference and you're coming from a major conference – you should be able to get into this field, especially now where there's no Pac-12 competition. Yes, there is a likelihood that the SEC is going to have two teams that are worthy of a playoff spot, but I don't know. I think you got to go with the conference champions, especially in a year like this where there's really only four major conferences.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I just think that the the voters of the committee, they always undervalue uh, a one-loss Big 12 team every year. Uh, and I think it's just going to be, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to say And we don't know if there's going to be any ball games this year. I'm guessing there isn't. So if you, you know, go if you win your conference but you're not in the, in the playoff, then it's that's a huge disappointment for the whole conference because that's it. There's no games. You're not getting that that rose ball as a as a consolation prize. Uh, but it's, it's just going to be tough. And for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective. Go to LandryFootball.com today from high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft to free agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes, LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash Chris Football. and you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry football's conference call, wherever you get your podcast, Michael, in a dream scenario here, you know, putting, putting your bias all into the predictions here. What four teams would you like to see in the playoff? It doesn't have to be realistic at all whatsoever, but who would you like to see in the
0: playoff? You know, if we're taking full bias into account, I still think I want to see some of the star talent that comes from this college football field. So I'd probably want to throw in a Clemson and Ohio State. I love schools like Michigan State and TCU for their football programs, but they don't offer as much star power at the play of quarterback, which I think is most entertaining. So when I'm looking at top QBs in college football that I would want to see here, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, I want to see Clemson, I want to see Ohio State, and I know it's boring, I know it's typical, but at the same time, I probably still want to see Oklahoma. And for that last spot, I think I'd want to see Georgia. I want to see JT Daniels kind of elevate this program to where they really take over the SEC and they've finally found their guy that kind of leads them to the promised land. If they can have quarterback play from JT Daniels, or I believe Mathis is starting week one because Daniels hasn't been cleared yet. If one of those guys can really step up and take this job and lead this team to a high level, it'd be absolutely fun to watch. And then there's some guys that really have high ceilings, like Joe Milton out of Michigan. And if he were to take over and lead Michigan, that'd be fun to watch. I think it's just when you get star quarterback play with a fun storyline to really keep an eye on, You think about Joe Burrow wasn't really seen as a star quarterback until this year or this past year of college football before he was viewed as a nice one. Like he was probably top 20 in college football, but he was kind of viewed as someone that was a mid round guy and just a mid tier in terms of the stardom scale. So it can come from anywhere. And as long as they're providing some great quarterback play, I'll I'll love watching it.
1: Yeah, I, I would love you know, loving to watch. Uh, last Friday, I think, uh, Coastal Carolina had a game on ESPN. I was, like, stunned at their field. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, like, teal blue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to see the championship game play there at Boise State. because Who <laughs> does big arenas this year if nobody's going to be there? That would be something to watch. But uh, my ideal playoff prediction – If I had this chance to pick the playoff teams, which is never going to happen other than when I used to play NCAA football, uh, which is no longer a game. I would go. I'd want to see Texas in there. I want to see UNC. I want to see Boise State or some team along those lines, you know, get in there finally outside of the, the big teams. And in the Big Ten, I would love to see my Scarlet Knights, the Rutgers football team led by. Former Tampa Bay Bucks coach Greg Sciano get getting there one day, but maybe, maybe in like 10 years from now, like you're mentioning, Rutgers could uh could compete or be a top
0: 25 team. <laughs> Who knows? You know, Shiano has a great history there at Rutgers, potentially, he could get something going very quickly, get Rutgers back into the top 25 eventually.
1: Yeah, I mean, all it'll take is, I mean, look at the last time they got good, it was he got Ray Rice. All it's going to take is for him to to get one five-star recruit who uh, you know gets drafted high in the draft and that's gonna that's why that's why Clemson got so good all the, these players started uh, you know getting in getting high picks like Mike Williams with the Chargers and I was like oh my gosh I, get, I go to Clemson and I'd still be you know picked high and I don't have to be in the SEC school uh, so that that's really it all it's all goes to recruiting and it's, it's always something to of course you know keep an eye on and I'm, I wonder how the recruiting process is going to work this year through Zoom. And if, because a lot of places probably aren't even playing high school football. So it's kind of like oh word on the street is this guy had a massive junior high school season. <laughs> what do you think? So uh, Michael, put yourself in the shoes of like of, uh, of a head coach of a college football program and figure out how you would go about recruiting. And I think this is going to have a big impact on the draft three years from now because you're going to see a lot of guys who are blue chipper top prospects that end up playing at uh, mid-major conference level um, because, you know, the the top schools, they just didn't have any game film or any eyes on players, and these players ended up going to to smaller, lesser-known schools, but they're still going to make a tremendous
0: impact on the field. Yeah, I think for a lot of head coaches out there, you're going to be looking local. Uh, it's going to be a very old school type of recruiting style, I believe, where you're kind of asking around. As a coach, you're you're asking other coaches, you know, at the high school level, whether it's opponents, the same coaching staff, people that know the kid. You're going to be saying, "Hey, is this guy legit? Can he come and play for my program?" Yes, if you're, you know, Alabama, Clemson, you're still going to be getting your five stars from anywhere. But if your school that you know is like Colorado State you're not going to be able to go out there and find a bunch of guys that are just you know great recruits and stepping in and easily being an impact player so you got to find guys that really aren't being looked at in the same regard when it comes to recruiting so you're trying to find these sleeper three-star two-star guys that can step in and be an impact player for you whether it's their first year or after a little bit of time so yeah I think they're going to be depending on people they know at the high school level trying to figure out if these guys are actually legit as students, as teammates, and then as players on the field. And I think also we're going to be seeing a lot of, you know, like you mentioned, just a lot of players that probably would have risen their stock, grown over the year, and gotten these scholarships that they were looking for, now playing at mid-major places, maybe playing at Division One, double A, and really making a name for themselves. So that, that like we talked about with the Rutgers, it's going to be something that we won't see for a few years from now, but it's going to be very interesting to see how much has changed due to this situation and what impact it has further down the line.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. It's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And it was fun to watch some of the rookies in the NFL this weekend, Michael. Uh, The guy that really leaped out to me, and I don't see how you could put this guy back to the bench after what he did in his his debut, Justin Herbert. Very impressive with the Chargers. I don't know if he's going to make your all-rookie team for the week, but I was really impressed with what he did. Uh, He ran well. He threw the ball well. If you're a Charger fan, you need to be encouraged by that debut against the Chiefs. Uh, The Chargers should have won the game.
0: Yeah, I think there were times where the Chargers could have, Played it a little more risky. Tried to go for it on fourth down instead of punting away the ball. I think Justin Herbert showed a lot of promise. They have a tough schedule coming up, so they may opt to go with Tyrod just to give Herbert a little bit more chance to sit and watch on the bench. But, you know, going against Chiefs defense, it was very impressive. So let's get right into it. The all-rookie team of the week for five guys that really stood out to me. Justin Herbert as – Nick said had an incredible game against Kansas city, 311 yards throwing 66% with a touchdown and an interception. The touchdown numbers aren't where you want them to be. I guess, you know, one and one isn't some outlandish number, but Herbert had a great week. He found out minutes before kickoff that he would be starting because Tyrod was expected to be the starter and then had a heart problem that caused him to leave the game. Herbert steps in and, looks outstanding so this was an absolutely huge week for justin herbert and justin herbert truthers out there i think yeah there's film that's going to be found on this guy and maybe he's never going to have the same type of dominant rookie performance but he already has proven himself as a qb and i think with time to develop and grow his game he's going to be a star and further down the line this chargers team is in very good hands for next i have James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars, 16 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Kept them very close with the Tennessee Titans. James Robinson coming out of Illinois State, an FCS program. You look at these guys, and it just shows you how talented the running back position is in the NFL. When you're able to put in a guy that didn't have very much draft hype, wasn't going in the early rounds, and he's stepping in, giving you over five yards carry, giving you 100 yards on the ground, And being a key piece to the run game, Jacksonville Jaguars obviously cut Leonard Fournette, and everyone was saying, Oh, this team's going to be so bad. They lost the game, but I think I and many others underestimated this Jaguars team. Gardner Minshew had a great game. James Robinson, though, star performance and absolutely. Don't don't sleep
1: on Gardner Minshew. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm
0: done sleeping on him. I
1: I think he's got, I think he's at least a top 15 quarterback. Uh, obviously Jacksonville all indications are they were trying to get Trevor Lawrence don't know if that's going to be possible because the Lions they don't look look great the Jets look horrendous the Giants don't look good Uh, but if they end up with the first pick I do see them picking Lawrence but Minshew I think this guy has proven he's a starter in this league and I could see him having a really good 10-15 year career in the NFL maybe he won't start the whole time but they ended up being like the top back in the league, similar to Colt McCoy, uh, but very impressed by the Jaguars despite the loss. Uh, my running back for the week would have been Jonathan Taylor, uh, very similar numbers to James Robinson, but obviously they got blown out at, ho- uh, at, at home. So, uh, you know, not ideal there.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what Taylor can do as time goes on. I felt like James had the better performance, but, Taylor is definitely going to have a great season in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think,
1: think, sorry, just with the the Colts there. Um, Yeah, yeah, they just, um, they have that running game there. And I, sorry, I just misspoke when I said they got blown out. They, they blew out the Vikings 28 11. And I think with uh, Mac, he's obviously hurt. So Taylor is now the starting running back, 26 carries, 101 yards, a touchdown. two receptions for nine yards. So I think he's going to be an impact player to to watch moving
0: forward in the AFC South. For sure. And I felt like he was probably going to take this job, even if Mac was healthy. Mac now out, sadly, but I think they have a guy in Jonathan Taylor that they love. And he's going to be in for a big season. So moving on, I have Jadrick Wills as the next rookie of the week against Cincinnati, which I think has an underrated defensive line with guys like Dunlap, Lawson, and Hubbard. Cedric Wills gave up only one pressure on about 25 passes, zero sacks. He stepped in as a left tackle, coming from right, right tackle at Alabama. He has proven to be a very good rookie so far, proven to be natural on both sides of the line, I guess, because when you, when you can do both, that's huge. And Wills just looks legit for this Cleveland Browns team, looks like a great pick. All four of those offensive tackles were highly touted. The Browns got their guy, and he looks like a stud. Next up, I have Jeremy Chin, and he only had six tackles. So on the stat sheet, it doesn't look like he's just, you know, having this dominant performance. But they have him playing all over the field for this Panthers team. And I think the Panthers' defense as a whole just is very inconsistent. It's very much filled with young guys that don't really – produced at a high level yet they're still growing their game jeremy chin is playing all over the field and looking like an absolute like all-star this guy is offering versatility that teams covet uh whether he's playing strong safety playing linebacker playing in the nickel he can play it everywhere and the panthers have an absolute star on their hands another fcs guy coming from southern illinois shout out to the Slukies. I think Jeremy Chin is going to be special for the Panthers, and so far through two weeks, he has proven to be a great pick and looking like a franchise corner piece for this Carolina defense. And moving on for the last rookie of the week, we have Antoine Winfield Jr., the safety for the Bucs. 11 tackles, one sack, and forced a fumble on Teddy Bridgewater. Look, when you have great safety play that can come down in the box and blitz or cover deep. It's huge. And Winfield plays all over the field for this Bucs secondary. It's still very young, whether it's Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis on the outside, Sean Bunting Murphy's also very good, or guys like Winfield at safety. This defense is still growing in a lot of ways, but Winfield looks like one of the most seasoned vets out there. He's put up some great games so far. And against Carolina, he, he put up his best game. Of the two, as he continues to grow over the season, I think we're going to see Winfield be a huge piece of this Bucks defense. And as he grows from year to year, I think he's going to be a bonafide star in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I think uh, obviously big effort there by Winfield to help write things there for the Bucs. Uh, Panthers are just an interesting team right now. I see the talent there it might not be resulting in wins, uh, but obviously, uh, of course, you know, they, they're they in, in year one under Matt Rule. Um, I, I guess the only guy that we didn't put in this list, which I guess we could technically put every week, um, but Herbert was better. I, I would say, you know, Joe Burrow, very impressive again in week two. Uh, what have you liked or you've seen out of him so far, Michael?
0: Yeah, I think Joe Burrow had another great week. Probably could have put him on this list and no one would have had an issue. He definitely dealt with a lot of pressure. He got hit more times, I think, against Cleveland and the Chargers in two weeks than he did his entire last season at LSU is what I was hearing on Twitter. The kid is tough. He has dealt with pressure very well. But at the same time, you know, Cle- Cincinnati has to invest in this guy in order to get him help on the offensive line, in order to provide for success in the passing game, and in order to provide for Joe Mixon, who they just extended at the running back position. Both Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow are huge for the future and huge for the success of Cincinnati, but the offensive line is just not where it needs to be. So this offense is kind of stalled until further notice.
1: Yeah, I think – yeah, they're they're heading in the right direction, but it's gonna it's gonna take some time there. Uh, obviously, they, they could have won their first two games, uh, just came up a little short there, and it's just a little, it's unfortunate for them. But I think they're heading in the right direction. Uh, but yeah, these these are the, these are the top rookies of the week. Michael Coutain do that every week. Um, you know, we talked a lot about the Big Ten and the Power Five conferences today as well. But outside of the 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 Power Five conferences, as we discussed, there's going to be a lot of talented guys coming through the system in the next few years because they didn't get scouted properly during uh, quarantine and whatnot. But you know, right now across college football, Michael, there are a lot of really talented players outside of the Power
0: Five. Yeah, and you know, let's take a look. Top positions of the G five, and here it is at quarterback, Dylan Gabriel of U. University of Central Florida. I believe that this kid has some great torque on his passes. He has a very talented arm, some nice mobility, stepped in early because of an injury to Mackenzie Milton, and I think he's held, held the job now. UCF has a great quarterback on their hands, and I think he is going to be a mid-round pick when it comes to the draft, probably day two type guy, but there's a lot of upside and tools here to love. At the running back position, I know there's guys like Elijah Mitchell that are very talented, but I'm a big fan of Brendan Knox. I decided to go with him because I think he offers some great playmaking ability for Marshall. Watching their games, it's just been impressive seeing this guy get the ball and just take off downfield. There's some big playmaking ability, and when you're a running back, yeah, it's important that you're consistently getting decent games, but at the same time, you got to be able to break free, and I think Brendan Knox offers that. There's some great, talented running backs in the G5 all over, but for me, Brendan Knox is my personal favorite, and I'm a huge fan. At wide receiver, it's another position that's very talented throughout the G5. for For me, I decided to put down Demonte Coxey, wide receiver out of Memphis. I think he's definitely one of the guys that was supposed to be drafted pretty early last year. He was talked about as a day two, day three type receiver, decided to come back to Memphis. Now, most likely going to establish himself as a great receiver, probably stay in that day two range. But I think when teams look at finding a guy who's kind of well-rounded, both able to go up and get a pass, silky smooth, offers decent athleticism, Coxie's that guy, and I think We kind of underrate those guys whenever they don't have these standout traits, but Coxie, I believe, is someone that will still be valued highly in terms of draft stock, and I look forward to seeing him both this season and at the next level. For tight end, I have Josh Peterson out of uh, University of Louisiana Monroe. Sorry about that. He's consistently producing high number of targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns, and Louisiana Monroe has depended on him heavily, put up about 43 catches last year, and he seems on track to be in for another big season. 6'5", about 240 pounds, nice frame. Looking at you know mid-major tight ends, it's hard to gauge just how good they are, but he's able to box out defenders very easily. He's able to create plays with his feet. Josh Peterson, I believe, is someone that could be viewed highly come – draft season for, uh, you know, April, March, and we'll see him really rise up boards on the offensive line. We have Josh ball and tackle out of Marshall. I believe he's very nimble on his feet, works very well with strength, has nice long arms. He comes from Florida state, and then he had to transfer to Marshall due to off field issues. So there's going to be concerns about this guy's character. However, you know, being six eight and still being able to have such nimble ability, stands about 309 pounds. This guy was able to be a great run blocker, make some moves for setting up Brendan Knox, and also was a solid pass blocker as well. I think he is going to get a lot of looks. We've seen Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, talk about this guy. I didn't expect him to impress me as much as he did, and I'm I'm a big fan of Josh Ball. On the defensive line, we have Dion Novel, which is coming from my university of North Texas. Shout out to the Mean Green. 6'4", <laughs> 330 pounds. This guy can play nose tackle, but he has excellent get off. He is usually the first one up at the snap. He occupies lanes. He's got a great anchor, and he's got a decent pass rush upside as well. If you are looking for sleeper defensive tackles to look at for day three, I think Dion Novel is someone that could really surprise you with how much you like him. I'm a big fan, and I look forward to seeing him this season. He's already had some great games. Hasn't really produced for stat sheet, but I think he's an absolute great piece for any defensive line, and watching this guy, I was blown away because usually I try to keep my bias out of it, but it was hard to when it comes to Deion Noble. At the edge spot, we got Jordan Smith, who is 6'7", 255 pounds for UAB, put up 10 sacks last year, and watching him against even great opponents, I watched his Tennessee game, and you can see his arms move very well. They are long, and he has some great athleticism. He usually goes under with his pass rush moves, which I think overall he's going to have a lot of uh, versatility that will be needed to be found in his pass rush Arsenal but this guy has produced very well for UAB I love his size I love his frame and I think he offers great athletic ability to really make an impact and come around on the QB and where the ball is Jordan Smith is someone that I think as the season goes along we're going to start to hear his name more and more in draft circles from the media from the news look for Jordan Smith to really fly up draft boards as the draft gets closer. At linebacker, we got Trajan, Stephen McQueen, linebacker for Georgia State. I believe he is 6'1", 230 pounds, and he flies to the football. He is all around the play, had over 100 tackles last season. Stands, or sorry, is, He's a key piece and leader to this defense. He has really established himself as a star for the Georgia State squad whether you're turning on a game or just reading anything about georgia state i think this guy has to be mentioned the linebacker class for this year is a lot more talented the, than years past so this guy will probably be going day three maybe even undrafted but i think he's a great piece for his squad and i think he's definitely going to find himself on a roster come the off season and draft time at cornerback we got sean jolly of appalachian state He stands about 5'9", so he's likely going to be playing in a more nickel-type role. But Sean Jolly has produced year after year for Appalachian State. Anyone who is a Mountaineer fan loves this guy. I talked to their fans, asked how legit he is, and they seem very high on him. They think he's the real deal. Sean Jolly is, you know, excellent playmaking skills, great at playing the ball, great at playing his guy, very physical for 5'9", I think. When you hear 5'9", you often think that they're just going to be able to be, you know, knocked out of the play. But he's one of those guys that is hard-nosed for the football, and he's not going to get it to easily just because he's a little shorter than usual. And then the safety class for the G5, I think, is absolutely outstanding. I had to go with James Wiggins just because he's a personal favorite of mine. But there are so many guys in this class that I think will be coming from the G5 level, whether it's Blankenship out of mid-Tennessee State and richie grant out of ucf there are many options all over college football james wiggins for me is an outstanding athlete probably would have been in the draft last year but tours acl returned to cincinnati and is now on pace for what i think will be a great season so nick this is the g5 top players at the position for me any uh guys out there in the college football world that you love or any positions that you're kind of looking forward to seeing i know with saquon going down it may kind of lead the giants to looking at backup running backs maybe a guy like knox comes in and just helps keep barkley from going on the ir and stuff i think the giants need to be looking for a
1: quarterback because <laughs> daniel jones is a turnover machine um and it's it's very sad to see um michael what what uh what kickers and punters
0: should be keep my eye on this this season so for kickers and punters. I'd say the top kicker out there is probably, oh, man, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but Miami, Florida has a kicker that has hit from 50 yards like numerous times in each game. I believe against Louisville, he hit from 50 twice. He had an absolutely outstanding performance. And then there's Jonathan Dower, I believe is how you say it, for Notre Dame. He is also an outstanding kicker. I think there's a lot of notable kickers out there in this class, and it's very impressive because usually, you know, most times whenever I'm coming into the draft season, I don't even know kickers until it's like the last month. <laughs> I'll start planning my list, th- thinking about who's going to be good, who's going to be – Back, back you know, in whatever.
1: 2016, did you hear of Roberto Aguayo? I remember the Bucs trade off. Yeah, for
0: Aguayo was a big name. And uh, so Miami's kickers, Jose uh, – I don't want to butcher the name, but – Borealis, maybe, and he is five for five. Hit from fifty-seven against Louisville. Definitely a name to keep an eye on. I believe that you know when you have these hyped kickers, it it, it's great for the class overall, but also it's great for specialists. You know, punters are people too. Kickers are people too. (laughs) Long snappers are people too. These teams really value special teams players more than a lot of fans do. And whenever you have guys that are consistently making kicks, able to kick from long distance, it's huge for their stock. And we already have guys kind of establishing themselves as a name. So, you know, as this season gets closer, I think we're going to see a lot of kickers that have more draft stock than usual years.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Uh, it's just the, the punting game has become so crucial in the pro level as of late. I uh, Besides Bill Belichick, I mean, how many how many years did they have the same punter there? And, you know, with Billy, he's always looking for those lefty punters, which are, which are a rare breed. But uh, special teams, you know, obviously, you're not looking for you're not drafting a special teams player, but it's it just becomes so important in the game today, uh, especially with the way the offenses are, like, spread out and they're going to sling it. Uh, so... It's really, it's really impacted the special teams game. Obviously, you know, Michael's not going to be – maybe he will give you his rankings, his top five rankings of punters and, and kickers, but uh, always interesting to see that. I mean, they're always overlooked, but how many playoff games do you see, Michael, that come down to a, a punter and a
0: kicker? Yeah, and I think one of the things that's most underrated amongst the typical fan of football – it's just how underrated a good punter can be for a team. We we saw it last year with the Tennessee Titans and New England Patriots. Uh-huh. Brett Kern had an outstanding game for the Titans and was putting the Patriots, you know, put back in their 10, 15 yard line almost every drive. And when your offense is already struggling as it is, when you are put back so far that you're having to drive 80, 85, 90 yards to get points on the board you're going to have a lot more difficulty than if you're getting, you know, 70 yards or something like that. So I think a lot of people underestimate just how good punters can be. Maybe I blame it on Madden. You know, every punter can just kind of punt the same distance and it's fine, but there are some excellent punters out there and they are huge for the team and it never gets the appreciation that's likely deserved. So yeah, having a great punter, having a great kicker, especially, when you have someone that you can depend on to really come through and make field goals for you in the clutch. Uh, You know, maybe not the best example anymore after his Monday night debacle, but Steven Goskowski for the Patriots was absolutely dependable all the time for Mm -hmm. us. He was a huge kicker to have. You know, there were occasional games where he would mess up a couple times. I think he's going to be great for the Titans aside from that first game. But having a dependable kicker and then going to guys like, you know, Nick Folk and everyone else that we brought in last year, it was definitely stressful to have inconsistency at the kicker position. So appreciate your good kickers, appreciate <laughs> your good punters, appreciate your good long snappers, because these guys don't get the appreciation they deserve. They are vital to a team's success. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, of
1: course, before I got Gowski Adam inventari who – Probably is the best kicker of all time. For sure, uh, he's gonna go. He's and how great was it to see him with his with his buddies Gronkowski and Brady and and Belichick doing the the top hundred at the Super Bowl. That was nice, nice little reunion there. Uh, and then you know, with the, just you know, as a Giants fan, Steve Weatherford was huge in that in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Uh, Jeff Feagles, he has the the most punt yards of all time. I think he should be a Hall of Famer, but. Yeah, special teams is definitely huge and um, always something, always something that impacts games either way. Uh, Michael, any any uh, midweek games you're looking forward to this week?
0: Um, well, first, real quick, I just want to say if you're looking for any tape to watch on these guys, I'd say turn on UAB versus Tennessee. Jordan Smith was absolutely dominant in that game. I really enjoyed watching him. For the midweek games, UAB plays Southern Alabama this week, if people are interested in that. I think that is about the only game yeah. for college football that's going to be happening. So, you know, it's it's worth turning on if you want to watch these mid-level prospects or just want to watch some solid college football play going on. I think UAB will probably rough them up a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, if you – If you really are looking for football this midweek, I think your best bet is just watching the Thursday night game of Jacksonville versus Miami. (laughs) Maybe doesn't offer the overall upside of some of the other Thursday night games. But I think watching Minshew against a guy like Brian Flores, who is going to have a very strong defense that will improve week to week going to be very fun to watch a young qb going against a great defensive mind
1: yeah i thought we were going to see the debut of two of this week i said oh fitzpatrick throws three interceptions they go to Tua. fitzpatrick comes out three touchdowns you know it's jack and Hyde with him every week it's on and off so the debut of two is gonna to have to wait just a little bit longer at least another week or two i mm-hmm. think uh because fitzpatrick does what he does best which is you know, go, go off and have touchdowns. I don't have his three interception game and it'll be back and forth. So certainly something to, uh, to, to watch on Thursday. I know doubt about it. Thank you for joining and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective. Go to LandryFootball.com today from high school, college, to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft, to free agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football michael
0: another another show in the books and it's going to be an exciting week in the football world yes sir looking forward to it and we'll see you guys on friday we will have some games of the week to watch we'll preview some of the more uh we'll preview some more college football that's coming up and we look forward to talking more draft as always nick it's been a pleasure fans as always it's been a pleasure